in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePetro Show. John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9. Folks, you can always listen online at the website DePietro.com. This portion of our program, 106, on this Monday, June 13th. It's brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food. They're waiting for you. Tonight, in the lounge at the Lodge, Celtics Warriors. Game 5, NBA Finals. It has now become a three-game series. Whoever wins two out of the next three games is the NBA champion. Will it be the Celtics now or will it be the Warriors, by the way? They're going to be in, they're back on the West Coast. But tonight, the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road, will certainly be rocking. Now, at 107, I want to just touch on the missing person Charlotte Lester case. And just a quick update, because people do send me, you know, what's the latest? What's the update? There isn't one. There just isn't one. It all still comes back to they have one house staked out. I will more than likely go by there later. But the story, nothing has changed. No one has been charged. I also want to clear up. No one's been deemed a person of interest. There was someone that I thought was a person of interest. They weren't. No one is a suspect. Police, work police are very tight-lipped. I also, um, there are people that are talking about doing another search. I, I don't know. I'm open on that. I'm open on that. But right now, doing another search. Um, A lot of that, it still just remains a complete unknown. You know, as far as where is this person? People don't just disappear. So uh, I, I don't know what the answer is. No one does. The family sure doesn't. But right now, it just remains a missing person's case. So as far as Ladybug or... I also want to mention the police remain one place. The police remain in front of that home on Staples Avenue. So they have not left there or gone anywhere else. So as much as there's different speculation, the, the work police remain there and they're still there. And um, any other speculation, it, to me, it, it all just seems to come back to that. Where are they? Right? You want to know what's going on? Well, they're there for a reason. That's for sure. They're definitely there for a reason. And we can speculate. You know, again, I've heard they found blood inside the home. And... We also had heard that they had drained the septic tank. Now, if they found anything, they're not saying anything, meaning the um, the work police. But and it doesn't, you know. Also, whatever someone posts online, the only thing that matters is is really what they what they tell law enforcement and what they told the police. So now so much of this is an unknown and the police are working it. And as we talked about, they, they don't want to, they don't want to tip anybody off as to what they know, or what they don't know. So it is a mystery and missing persons case. Let me also just say this. Stefan Pryor is going to stay on for two weeks. Um, oh, okay. With different people that are filling in. Uh, running for office. The the Biden White House uh, in whether or not he's going to run again, I think that's 
That's really interesting right now. So right now, the January 6th committee, they're having their second meeting. It did okay the other night. Not not great as far as the ratings Thursday night. Um, I think I have some sound clips here. I want to play some. I, I just think this whole thing is motivated. They want to try to prevent President Trump from running. Let me just hear this um Former President Trump, it's going to intentionally misled donors. All right. So let me um, hear a little bit of this. Evidence of the Trump campaign fundraising off of these false election claims. Do you have any evidence that the Trump campaign committed a crime or Trump himself committed a crime in doing so? Well, I'll let, uh, yeah. we're, we're, not, we're a legislative committee, and it's clear that he uh, intentionally misled his donors, asked them to donate to a fund that didn't exist, and used um, the money raised for something other than what he said. Now, it's for someone else to decide whether that's criminal or not. That's not the purview of a legislative committee. You've shown- now, I want to go into, um, folks, I want to go into uh, former Attorney General Bill Barr. Let me just hear some of this hearing from this morning. Or, quote, nonsense. Here's an example. This is Michigan. At 6.31 in the morning, a vote dump of 149,772 votes came in. Unexpectedly, we were winning by a lot. That batch was received in horror. We have a company that's very suspect. Its name is Dominion. With the turn of a dial or the change of a chip, you can press a button for Trump and the vote goes to Biden. What kind of a system is this? Barr again told the president that there was nothing to these claims on December 14th. When I walked in, sat down, he went off on a uh, monologue uh, saying that there was now definitive evidence uh, involving fraud uh, through the Dominion machines. And a report had been prepared by a very reputable cybersecurity firm, which he identified as Allied Security Operations Group. And he held up the report and he had a, and he, then he asked that a copy of it be made for me. And while a copy was being made, he said, you know, this is absolute proof that the Dominion machines were rigged. The report means that I'm going to have a second term. And then he gave me a copy of the report. And as he talked more and more about it, uh, I sat there flipping through the report and looking through it. And um, to be frank, it looked very amateurish to me. Didn't have the credentials of the people involved, but I didn't see any real qualifications. And the statements were made very uh, uh, conclusive. Like, you know, this, these machines were designed to, you know, engage in fraud or something to that effect, but I didn't see any supporting information for it. And I was somewhat demoralized because I thought, boy, if he really believes this stuff, he has, you know, lost contact with, uh, with uh, he's become detached from reality if he really believes this stuff. On the other hand, you know, when I went into this and would... You know, tell them how crazy some of these allegations were. There was never, there was never an indication of interest in what the actual facts were. My opinion then, and my opinion now, is that uh, the election was not stolen by fraud. And uh, I haven't seen anything since the election that changes my mind on that, including the 2000 Mules movie. <laughs> Well, maybe you can uh, assess that 2,000 mules and people are talking about that. Well, I mean, just in a nutshell, you know, I just think the GBI was unimpressed with it. And I was similarly unimpressed with it because I think if you because uh, I was holding my fire on that to see what the photographic evidence was, because I thought, well, hell, if they have 
a lot of photographs of the same person dumping a lot of ballots in different boxes. You know, that's hard to explain. Um, so I wanted to see what the photographic evidence was. But the uh, cell phone data is, is singularly unimpressive. I mean, it basically, if you take two million uh, cell phones and, and figure out where they are physically in a big city like Atlanta or wherever, just... By definition, you're going to find many hundreds of them have passed by and spent time in the vicinity of these boxes. And the premise that, if, you know, if you go by a box, you know, five boxes or whatever it was, you know, that that's a mule is just indefensible. It, 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 by definition, you're going to have a lot of hundreds of this. I mean, one, I saw one contractor said, we figured out that our truck alone would account for six uh, cell phone signals. Uh, this was a, you know, a, 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 some kind of contractor. And, you know, our route would take us by these things on a regular basis. So I, I but then no, when the movie came out, uh, you know, I think the photographic evidence in it was completely lack. I mean, it was, there was a little bit of it, but it was lacking. You know, it didn't, it didn't establish widespread uh, illegal, um, Harvesting. The other thing is people don't understand is that uh, it's not clear that even if you can show harvesting that that changes the, the results of the election. You're not, the courts are not going to throw out votes uh, and then figure out you know, what votes were harvested and throw them out. It's still the burden on the challenging party to show that illegal votes were cast. Votes were the result of undue influence or bribes or, or there was you know, the person was non-compassmentous, uh, but absent that evidence, I, don't, I just didn't see courts throwing out votes anyway. I felt that uh, before the election, it was possible to talk sense to the president. Uh, and while you sometimes had to uh, engage in, uh, you know, a big wrestling match with him, and, uh, that it was possible to keep things on track, but I was... Uh, felt that after the election he didn't seem to be listening and I didn't think it was uh, uh, you know that I, that I was inclined not to stay around if he wasn't listening to advice from me or his other cabinet secretaries again that is um, Bill Barr and folks good, good afternoon it's Sean DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM um, we are definitely you know, you know what else I want to point out Do you see here how confusing that is? Do you hear how confusing that is? That, you know, they're not, the movie 2000 Mules, and it's trying to open people's eyes to it, but it shouldn't be lost on people. Bill Barr is the Attorney General of the United States, and even, you know, even he mentions that it's, it's, it's somewhat confusing. So, I think... It's just, it should never have gotten to where it is now. It should never have gotten to where it is now that they, we have, and we've gone so far away from it. And <clears throat> Justin Katz, folks, have you missed our first hour? Um, you know, he was exactly right. Where it shouldn't be, it wasn't an accident that as they were signing this, this new voter legislation, that you know, there is Dawn Hoyer, the senator of Newport, that I think was the first one that at least opened my eyes to it. Um, voting is a problem. Voting doesn't have to what they've 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 purposely made it confusing. And I know some people don't fully understand it. So but one thing I will tell you is there's no way. The Rhode Island Republican Party is capable of of also of ballot harvesting. It's just anyone that says that they they don't know what they're talking about. Um, it, it, it's it's that's ludicrous. You don't understand. And the amount of people I don't know how else to. I've been talking about this for a while. You know, they go they register people to vote. They then build a file on them to vote. And then I don't think there's any need for those individuals, illegals, to even vote. 
the media won't even look at the fact locally now, talking locally, they won't even look at the fact that illegals are voting. The Board of Elections admitted that there's no mechanism to even ask about citizenship, but no one writes about it. You know, there's there are 60, hear me out. If you pay attention to anything I say right now at 121, and I appreciate the email from Bob, who's a big member of the Second Amendment 2A community, but folks, there's, there's nothing to 60, at least 60,000 illegals are living in Providence. Who's to say? I, of course they're voting. And I don't mean they're going to the polls. They, they gave them a gift card. They're up, let me put it this way. They're on the voter rolls. There's nothing to stop them on the voter rolls. That's what, what I actually meant. There's nothing to stop them from being on the, the voter rolls. But the media has a different narrative that they like. So I want to play, but let's, you know, as much as they want this to be a voting issue, it's not a voting issue. I want to play for you what I think. This is a voting issue. I want to play. Higher, according Here we go. Good morning, Michael. Check out the price behind me. Six forty nine a gallon, and that is for regular gasoline. And a lot of places are seeing the prices even higher, according to AAA. Gas is nearly two dollars more per gallon than it was this time last year. That means, on average, people are spending a hundred sixty dollars more per month just to fill up. Even gas station owners are fed up. This one in Minnesota putting up a sign saying, "Quote: We hate our gas price." Too, Michael. Yeah, it's funny sign, but these gas prices aren't funny, Eva. But it's not just gas that's costing us more. That's exactly right. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, prices are up across the board. Rent has jumped more than 26% from last year. Food prices are up. We're not just talking about eating out. We are talking about going to the grocery store and eating at home. That is up almost 12%. That's the biggest increase since 1979. Protein really seeing a spike. Eggs up more than 32%. Meats, poultry, fish up more than 14%. And in all, it is costing 300 41 dollars more per month for you to buy the same things you were buying last year michael think of that that's why that is why this whole jc uh january 6th thing is going on that that's right i mean that that's what it's really all about it's all about because they don't want to talk about what's really happening out there you know, they don't want to talk about how expensive gas is. Of course not. But that also, I think the price of gas, I think that's a voting issue. I think that is something that people will vote on. And they should be able to vote on it. It's absolutely ridiculous right now. I like, I saw a headline, Biden's, it, his energy policy is un-American. It is un-American. It's absolutely un-American. This whole war of the Green New Deal and them going after fossil fuels, it's, it's laughable at this point. But the only way this thing is going to work is if then people go out and vote in the November elections. Now, as far as locally, I agree with, um, with um, I received an email from someone saying at this point, the two-way community may have to then just go to, um, they may have to, the, the two-way community may have to launch a lawsuit. I, I don't know about that. I don't know what to tell you. They, there's so many different so-called fires almost to try to put out. It's it's tough to figure out, you know, where where things should go. The Mike Pence element of the J6 thing is interesting. Um, I know they want to bring in President Trump. He listen. He was upset. People were fired up after the the six on January six at the eclipse. They were upset about. They were they were fired up after the speech. They were fired up on the speech, but it, it was not an attempted coup. Hey, there are people that are always going and disrupting things, whether it's the Kavanaugh hearings or the Supreme Court, whatever. But 
It, it was not an attempted coup. I also want to play, this was interesting. Martha Raddatz sat down with survivors of Sandy Hook. I want to play a little bit of this. Listen to this. We sat down with four students, now teenagers, to talk about how that day changed their lives forever and what it felt like to see another classroom attacked. Three of the four have never shared their story before, and out of respect for their privacy, we are only using their first names. Andrew, Jackie, Nicole, and Maggie were second and third graders when the gunman entered Sandy Hook Elementary School a decade ago. Children. Today, they are teenagers, all students at nearby Newtown High School. But they all vividly remember the shooting in heartbreaking detail. We heard the sounds pretty early on. And I remember looking at my teacher's face and her shock and just like this. We knew it wasn't a drill. I do remember my thoughts of um, I'm going to die and like I'm not going to make it out of the school. Like there's no way that I'm making it out. When you're seven years old and you think you're going to die, what what does that even mean? I was towards the front near the door and I remember thinking if someone comes in our classroom, like I'm going to be first, I'm not going to make it out. After just four and a half minutes of shooting with an AR-15, 26 people, 20 children killed. The images from that day capturing the chaos and immeasurable pain of an entire community. The children too young at the time to fully realize the horror and brutality of what was unfolding around them. So you didn't imagine that it was a gunman? just didn't ever enter your mind a gun when they told me what happened. You know, I still had trouble comprehending exactly what happened. You know, you wouldn't expect a second grader to come to that conclusion on their own, really. All four lost classmates, friends, and neighbors. For Maggie, the shooting claimed the life of her best friend, seven-year-old Daniel Barden. It was very traumatic for me because there was no comfort whatsoever. No one could comfort anyone else because it was just pure devastation and loss. And we all loved this boy so much. And I didn't know that those sounds I was listening to was my friend being murdered. Explain to people how this has changed you as a human being and altered your life. I think trauma stays with a person forever. And it finds a way to manifest itself into all aspects of everything. I know when you walked out, you were told to close your eyes. Yeah. Put your hand on a friend in front of you so you wouldn't see anything. You opened your eyes. I did. I was I was told I was in the back of the line. Um, and there was glass and obviously blood and I didn't want to step on anything. So I did I did open my eyes. Um yeah. That's a thought that probably does not go away. No. Think if people saw what you saw who don't want any tighter gun controls, they might change their mind. Absolutely. That trauma, impossible to forget. I couldn't get the sounds out of my head during the night. I couldn't close my eyes without reliving it. I remember being embarrassed because my friends would have sleepovers and I wouldn't be able to go because my anxiety just wouldn't let me be away from my family or by myself. When you heard about Evalde and the kids, where were you and, and what were you thinking? I was just thinking about all the families that are in their houses right now telling their children that their siblings and that their friends and their classmates are gone. And it just really broke me to know that after 10 years of everyone giving us their thoughts and prayers and, you know, after 10 years of everyone saying enough is enough and never again after Sandy Hook, it happened again. And so devastatingly. These survivors are furious that no compromise has come and that more lives have been lost. Our government and just we as a nation, we know the solutions. We have proposed the solutions. We've proposed limited magazines. We've proposed uh, changing ages for buying an assault rifle that you can buy at the age of 18. We've known about these issues. We've known the ways we can stop them. I think 
What we know just needs to come to fruition. All of these teens scarred by that four and a half minutes of terror and carnage, imagining what it was like for the students in Uvalde who had to endure more than an hour of waiting before police finally entered. What would you say to the survivors of Uvalde, the other children who saw horrible things who might have been in that classroom? It's hard thinking that they're going to have to live the rest of their lives with this trauma. We completely stand with them and support them. And as devastating as it is that they now have this community of people who have endured a tragedy, they have a community of people who understand them. Um, and I think that has been something that's kept me going is that the people around me know what I'm going through. And I hate that they do, and I hate that now these little kids are part of our community, but we're here for them in any way that they need. Um, and I'm sorry that they're with us now. You know, folks, again, um, there were some people, good afternoon, it's one you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I, I know some people would say, don't even play the bull, you know, but you can't. You, you you can't ignore um you you can't ignore what what's out there and you 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 can't ignore that there are people like that that are having impact on the conversation and i want to come back to um you know, it also goes back to it all goes back to the fact that the Buffalo shooter and the Texas shooter, they should not have been able to get those weapons. But if there had been red flag laws or background checks, I don't think they would have. I don't think that impedes legal law abiding gun owners. I don't. I know that people feel Um, I know that some people feel that then this is just the beginning and they're going to stop. Anyone that thinks that you're not, you're ignoring who's about to take over in the midterms. The Republicans are going to take over Congress. Um, The Republicans are going to take over the House. The Republicans are going to take over the Senate in 2024. There's very good chance there's going to be a Republican president. So my point is, I I don't that's I don't think that that's not going to happen. But I don't think it's un, unreasonable to say that individuals like the Buffalo shooter and the Texas shooter they they cannot they should not have been allowed to get those weapons. Period. I, I I totally don't understand why anyone would want to defend the Texas shooter and the buff anyway. They're social misfits now. You know, it is all pieces of the puzzle. It is all pieces of. It is true that um. You know, Bill Maher did a good piece the other night that as much as in Hollywood, they call them action films. They're really just, what are they? They're revenge films. It's always the person that was wronged, and then they want to get revenge on who it is that wronged them. So, and Hollywood is silent about that stuff. And all the Matrix and all the shooting and the films that show the shooting. And, you know, I I think that's fair. I think that's very fair, as a matter of fact. But to and not only that, but the whole element of whether it is video games that are violent, rap music that is violent, and certain films that are violent. I don't I don't think they're all the cause. I think it is fair to say it's all kind of like pieces of the puzzle. That all kind of fit in. So I no, I I don't think that is. I I don't think. 
you know, young children watching really very, very a violent, violent film. I don't think there's anything productive about that. We're not going back to the Waltons and Little House in the Prairie. But at the same time, you can't you can't ignore that 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 comes into play. Um, but make no mistake about it. What they're they're trying to do right now is distract from just how bad things are. I mean, that part I, I completely agree on. Um, I I don't know what to make of the 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 January 6th hearings are so political in nature. 100%. By the way, congratulations to uh, Greta Van Susteren. Starts tomorrow night on Newsmax. 6 o'clock. I think she's going to do very well. New show at 6 o'clock on Newsmax. Um, (laughs) I know that the Dinesh that made the film 2000 Mules is very upset that Bill Barr was laughing about the film 2000 film 2000 Mules excuse me but um but when people ask me and people have asked me and again folks good afternoon i know i'm jumping around a little bit 137 you're listening to the John DePietro show on AM 1380 and 99.95 people ask me was the election stolen? it 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 has different definitions I don't buy this whole thing about the machines. I don't buy this whole thing about the the machines. And I believe if you add up the ballots, they add up. Now, I come back to, and I've said this before, but I believe a big part of this has to do with who gets onto the voter rolls. Who's allowed to get on the voter rolls. And, you know, Rhode Island is, is much different then other states, you know, what we're allowing right now and these new voting regulations, that's even different than than Connecticut and Massachusetts. So I don't think enough is done to explain to people. And as I've said in the past, I don't think the argument is strong enough for the argument. I don't think the argument is um, strong enough to convince people to slow things down. I don't. Um, this business of trying to go after President Trump. And, and by the way, I stay at that hotel where Enrique of the Proud Boys met with the Oath Keepers. When I go to Washington, I stay there. I've also been in that parking garage. Um, listen, that that did they want to disrupt things? Possibly. But it was not a coup. That's just, this is all done. They want to make it that, they want to make it that there'd be no way that President Trump could run again. I mean, that's how I, that's how I view it. Um, so I, they, they compl- can complain about different things. Um, some of it's interesting. And, and I still, as I've said in the past, I don't think enough is brought out the fact that the, the Capitol Police, prior to January 6th, Trump crowds had always been very, very peaceful. There was no reason to think that they were going to be anything other than peaceful. But they were upset the way they were being treated. They were upset the way that President Trump was being treated, the way voters were being treated. Um, and things got a little rowdy, that's all. All right, I also want to play, how about this bizarre story of the white nationalists that were going to try to disrupt the gay parade in, is it Idaho? I want to hear this. Dramatic scene unfolding in a small town in Idaho. Dozens of suspected white nationalists zip-tied and arrested after Coeur d'Alene police found the group crammed inside this U-Haul truck just blocks away from a gay pride event. No one should fear going to a pride celebration because of a white supremacist. The men clad in riot gear and masks, one of them wearing a shirt with the words, Reclaim America. 
these guys stopped at U-Haul full of dudes. Authorities say they got a 911 call Saturday from someone who spotted the men at a hotel and described them as a little army. They were all wearing similar attire. attire. They had shields, shin guards, um, and other rank gear. Police say they also recovered at least one smoke grenade and paperwork similar to a military op operations plan that included heading toward a park nearby where the Pride Festival was underway. I don't think this would have been as successful had we not had one extremely astute citizen who saw something that was very concerning to them and reported it to us. All 31 men are now charged with misdemeanor conspiracy to riot. Investigators say they came from 12 states and appear to belong to a network called the Patriot Front, described by the Anti-Defamation League as a white supremacist group formed after 2017's Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. If you look at their language, if you look at their symbols, if you look at their ideology, it is white nationalist to the core and deeply dangerous. During Pride Month, filled with so many celebrations nationwide, many in the LGBTQ community now on edge. It just hurts my heart to like know that like these people want violence for us. And we don't want violence for anybody. No word yet on when the group will make their first court appearances. They have not commented publicly. The local police chief tells us they have already been online threats towards police officers involved in the arrest. Listen, they're social misfits. They're zeros. They're losers. I don't know how else to explain it. Without weapons, they're not even dangerous. They hide their faces. I, I, I don't see them as the threat that these people do. Listen, seeing a group of guys in a U-Haul, if anything, well, I want to be careful. If anything, it sounds like they should have been attending Bridefest. I mean, based on the description we just heard, sounds like they want to attend Pride Fest. Bunch of guys in a U-Haul with the door shut. But I don't know what to tell you. They're, they're social misfits. Um, they need to get out there. This is a problem, though. It's a problem of white male social misfits that become bullied in high school. And the problem is when they start to become 17, 18, and 19. That's a problem. And schools still don't do enough about bullying. They absolutely don't. Folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food, delicious drinks. They have the great lounge, the deck now. Stop in and see them. A great meal is waiting for you right off of Route 146, the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. And again, tonight they will be um, jamming with the Celtics game. Let's hope. Um, let's hope the Celtics can pull out. This will be game five tonight. Series is all tied. Best of three series. Let me play. This is a, a rep. Someone posted this. Uh, a rep doesn't care if law-abiding gun owners are turned into criminals overnight. Compared restricting two-way rights to ordering something in a restaurant. Here we you go. Know, I anticipate um, you know, that we'll hear that this is a bill that really harms um, reasonable gun owners and law-abiding citizens. And so I just want to address that for a second. Because I don't think this burdens, unduly burdens law-abiding citizens. We sit here in the General Assembly. I feel incredibly lucky as a Rhode Islander to be here and have a vote in this House of Representatives. And I ran for this seat, as we all did, to make laws. And on the Judiciary Committee, we make laws all the time that make things that were previously legal not legal. Right? We make laws that maybe say if you ate foie gras yesterday, and you ordered it in a restaurant, you were law-abiding, and today, you are not, right? We make laws, we strengthen laws, we, you know, we turn people, we decide that we're going to make certain things against the law. You know, and, and a big part of that is, in fact, the mindset of doing that, which is it becomes all political. It becomes all political. Um, 
that representative whose voice you heard had these gun bills and they weren't going anywhere. Um, they weren't going to go anywhere. They were going to basically just be held in committee for further study until Texas. And then the problem is when you have something like Texas, you then have the progressives are just so much more powerful. And they bully the, quote, traditional Democrats. Um, I was told initially that it wasn't going to go anywhere. And then it, they, they just fold. But at this point, folks, I don't know what it's going to take for more people to run for office. Um, you know what else is, and I, I try, as I've said, I try to be supportive of the Rhode Island Republican Party. Right now, I still don't know what seats they need to get candidates for. I still don't. There could be someone out there right now saying, I, I didn't know that they need someone to run against so-and-so. All of those seats at the General Assembly, no one should run unopposed. Some of them, they won't even have an election. They'll be, only, be the only one on the ballot. I don't see anything. I mean, I, I'm not even going to waste my time. Well, maybe I am going to waste my time at 147. I was going to say to go on the um, Rhode Island GOP website. And all right, so there's no link to the website. They should have a a link to the website. Um, I don't see anything there. Okay, so Rhode Island GOP Facebook page. Hmm. Well, they want to raise money. There's the guy that came in with the long hair. What did he register? Scott Pressler. Yep. We registered voters at a gas station. Yeah, like five people. I told you, they have campaign people on Cranston Street that are registering 50 a day. Think are a little bit behind in that. My point: I don't see anything of we need someone that will run in this district. I don't register to vote. Folks, you have to. And my point is, it should be. Like I don't know. I don't know. Is there anyone running against House Speaker Joe Sakachi? Um, Senate President Dominic Ruggiero. He has a he is a progressive challenger. He is a progressive challenger, but he doesn't have, uh, I don't think, I don't think he has a Republican challenger. If the Republicans have someone to run for mayor of Providence, a Republican now, I'm unaware of it. It's possible, but I mean also, I mean it like a real candidate, not... You know, there are some people that say, if you don't have anyone, uh, I'll do it. Just so then, you know, just so there's someone there. But I mean, um, like, like a real, a real candidate. Someone that has a real, you know, can run a real campaign, knows how to raise money. Someone that, someone that could be a real contender. That's what I'm kind of talking about. So not just someone that says, you know, if you don't have anyone, I'll, I'll do it. All due respect. Listen, the people that do that are very, very generous. The people that agree to do that are very, very generous. But 
I mean someone that's really got it in their mind that they want to run and run to win. Not just kind of fill it out so they don't have a blank slate, if that makes sense. I think it does. So someone who's, and you, you know, and you can always tell. And here's the other thing. The media can tell, by the way. The media can definitely tell. The media can tell who's, who's a serious candidate and who's not. And a big part of it is raising money. If you, if you don't want to raise money, and I mean for like a statewide office, um, if you don't want to raise money or if you can't ask someone for money, it's, it's going to be a problem. It's absolutely going to be a problem. So I'm talking about like a real candidate. That's what's needed. I don't know right now. I'm not seeing it. But what they, you know, what could also make a big difference would just be if, in fact, every seat at the state house, state senate seat and state rep, if if everyone at least was challenged, that would at least, you, you know, you have a better shot. You have no shot if you don't put anyone up. So at the very least, if in fact they had someone that would run, it could, it would make a difference. And folks, they don't like having a challenger. They prefer it when they run unopposed. No one up there should be running unopposed. Absolutely not. No way. Makes no sense. Unopposed. You're basically just putting them back into office. No. There has to be. There's gotta there I that that has to and begin with being a priority. Absolutely has to be the priority of getting the right people that are gonna that are gonna agree to do it. Fill out that slate. I'll I'll say this. I, I think you know there there's unless if you could do that and be more of a of a force up at the state house, that's how they could be blocking some of these bills. It's got to start there. Right now, it's not. It's not. There are people, tragically, that are going to run unopposed. It's really become, and I hate saying that, but two parties. It's become the Democrat Party and then the progressives. And they're both kind of pretty much the same, if we want to be honest about it. Folks, not trying to bring you down on this Monday. Folks, and again, good afternoon. Right now, it's 1.54. It's Monday. It's June 13th. I will be doing Facebook Live later. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I believe the J6 hearings are designed to just try to, they, they are out of answers. Biden is a disaster. His own party, they don't want him to run again. I think it's interesting. Some of the Biden people are saying he's still the best chance to defeat President Trump in 2024. But I, I, I am not, I want to wait and see. I want to wait to see what happens. Ron DeSantis is not to be taken lightly. And... I don't, I don't know who's going to be the, you know, I was just, someone asked me about that on Friday. I don't know who the nominee is going to be. They're not teaming up. I see nothing. If anything, from what I understand, they're competitors. They're not teaming up. As much as the J6th, all of this talk, um, as much as it is a distraction, and it wasn't a real coup. It, it, what it does, though, is it does, and you can't ignore this, 
it does weaken President Trump with independents and especially with female suburban voters. It does. Um, I, I, I fully agree that I, I'm not convinced that that's a voting issue, but it doesn't help him. It doesn't it doesn't help President Trump. And I just want to, you know, we, we're going to have to wait and see. Now, I've heard he may announce this summer that he's running in 2024. Well, he's not run, announcing right now. That's for sure. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know about that. I think any announcement should wait till after 24. President Trump's doing very well with the primaries. He's helping people. He's helping certain people get elected. That part can't be ignored. He's definitely helping certain people get elected. A lot of his candidates are doing very well. So it can't all be washed out. He he has pulled. He galvanized. It can't just be dismissed. You know, they, they would like him not to run again. But right now, it's still it's still his party. Hey, J.D. Vance in Ohio. President Trump got him elected. That campaign was nowhere. He was an anti-Trump guy, as a matter of fact. He, President Trump, got Dr. Oz over the finish line in that Pennsylvania primary. He did. He's had a good run. He, he has a tough time in Georgia. Georgia, he had a little bit of a tough time, but I, Herschel Walker, he was behind, and Herschel Walker, he won. So it can't all be thrown out. But closer to home, these gun bills at the State House, where I, I think there's been a failure is not explaining enough the the argument's too broad I think I think the constitutional argument they're trying to use in Rhode Island is not a winning argument I think the strategy that should have been employed was that everything you're worried about we already have here Our laws are very, very different. Instead of just, you know, and I saw some of the protesters, you know, and I don't even know why. Why are they chanting? We will not comply. That's the chant. (laughs) That's the chant from the people that won't get the vaccination. Um, I I think it should have been. We we already have enough laws. You don't need to do this. I think if you just keep trying to argue Second Amendment, it's a lose. There's an art to the argument. That, that's my thought. I think it should have been, hey, we agree with you. And by the way, we already have all these things. You know, they don't have them in Texas. I think they should have done a demonstration to show that Texas and Buffalo shooter would, have, would not have been able to do that in Rhode Island. And Rhode Island's, you know, next door to Massachusetts that also has very strong gun laws. I, I, I think the argument of just Second Amendment... Chanting 1776, we will not comply. That's that's not, I don't think it's a strong argument. I think you got to break it down. We're a world of difference between Rhode Island and Texas. All right, folks, listen, coming up, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news, and then it'll be the John Dion program. I will be doing Facebook later on. It's John DiPietro. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy this Monday. And again, stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news.